Hello, hello everybody, Education Monsters. I'm here with Andrew. And Andrew, he grew up in Alberta, Canada, and he has moved to Montreal. He speaks a ton of languages, and today's episode is going to be about Independence Day. So today is Sunday, February 7th, and I'm super excited because we all in the spirit. Andrew's dressed in like very bright colors of yellow, red, and green. And you can't see this on the podcast, but I'm pretty sure you can imagine the vivid colors plus the amazing conversations we're going to have. Hi, Andrew. Hi, how's it going today? Good, good. Still snowy. It's February. Yes, yes. It's, it, it's not as bad as what it has been, to be honest. Like, I mean, we did have that cold snap of like minus 18. But I mean, today we're only like minus six. So we're not too, too bad today. It's true. Although my throat feels like it. It's like course and i'm like it's gonna be authentic because then in winter you cannot not get sick right <laughs> i mean for me i go through the traditional caribbean remedy of um hot food hot spicy foods having tea every morning making sure that i'm getting like a lot of garlic ginger and um some onions just i don't know it's very energizing turmeric as well and a little bit of lime they all help with uh, building and boosting health wow that sounds so amazing and like you're right to mention it because we have so many antioxidants and it's like the spices also have like they're you know like they're well known to fight cancer they're also well known to fight off colds and we do have to turn towards food rather than medicine like you know it's not marabou stuff it's just nature it's Egg. there to provide you with like vitamins and energy and you're supposed to take advantage of that exactly exactly like i mean for me growing up um being like half caribbean half dutch um the dutch side they're like very much the european american style of like let's pop pills let's drink cough syrup like it's very much like this is the medicine this is what you trust Whereas on the Caribbean side, it's like a lot of natural home remedies. I remember when I was back in Grenada and I had got a really sick stomach. My grandfather, he went out into the bush with his machete. He cut some grass. He made the tea out of it and he gave it to me. And within that, that afternoon, I was completely fine. That's so. crazy. I've also heard the same thing. So an Indian trick, it's to use caraway seeds. So you just make like two ounces of boiling water. And then you drink the water that you've infused from the caraway seeds and then you take a little spoon and then just like eat it. And basically your stomach ache goes away and it's much better than all the medicine I've taken because you don't have like so much side effects. So everybody can take it. And I'm not sure about like pregnant women and stuff like that, but it's basically safe for everybody. You don't have to like dose it out or something. It's a plant. Exactly. Like, I mean, most things that are plant-based, they're generally good for the body. Of course, you get people that are allergic to seeds, nuts, peanuts. Okay, I get that. But then there are certain things where they're just nourishing and they're very good for the body. Cinnamon, nutmeg, turmeric, they're all very, very good in fighting cancer from what I've been told. Turmeric is something actually I grew up a lot around with because um, in Grenada, we have a lot of like dishes with curries. And so turmeric is definitely a part of that. And so turmeric is one of those things where it actually helps with inflammation. So if you have a headache, you can have a turmeric latte. If you have stuffed up sinuses, uh, you can have a turmeric tea. And it's really helpful. It just, it's a really good, almost like a superfood. Definitely. And I've also seen 
a lot of recipes on that because turmeric has this strong taste that not a lot of people can tolerate by itself. So you can mix it up with honey and like you were saying, like adding ginger and stuff like that. So it's not too empowering or I don't know, like you can add vanilla, you can add like cocoa nibs to it. It's very, very versatile, like all the recipes you can do and you're adding like more superpower. Exactly. Like even for me growing up, cacao nibs were something that I kind of loved as a kid. We would make a lot of tea out of this. We would put it in our baking and it's just, it's something that's so natural, but you get so much caffeine of it. That's not like coffee. It's just, it's really cool. Nice. So, okay. We're not doctors or nutritionists, but those are very, very good tips for listeners. So let's get back to Granada Independence Day. So today we celebrate this famous day for Canadians and also for the rest of the world that not everybody knows about. It marks the achievement of Grenada's independence from the United Kingdom. So it's very important. So that's something that was achieved in 1974. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I nope, read a little bit correct. on that. You're correct. <laughs> years. Like, I mean, it's crazy. I think that, you know, my grandparents were born under British rule. And I mean, even my mom was born under British rule. And here we are now and we're independent, we're free, and we get to celebrate this. Actually, yesterday, February 6th, um, it's known as National Colors Day. So the entire island nation, it's a tri-island nation, by the way, which I'll get more in a bit. They wear the three main colors of the flag, the green for the vegetation, the red for the bloodshed, and the yellow for the sunshine and the crops. So it's uh, what, what makes our flag. And um, with it being a tri-nation, I want to explain this. So we have the main island of Grenada. It's about 20 kilometers smaller than Montreal Island. And then we have the other islands of Cariacou and Petit Matni that are also all tied into the entire island. Yeah, and uh, it's crazy you were talking about the colors of the flag. Like, especially for the color red, I feel like representing the bloodshed, it's significant enough that we should not, you know, like repeat the same history of all the massacres because it's way more complex than this. It's not just the British, it's also the Spanish and the French. And then afterwards, like they brought in like Africans for slavery. So it's very heavy in history that I like how it's not forgetting this part of it because a lot of people have been sacrificed to make up the identity of this complex country. And it feels like a lot of countries are sort of like turning this as a victory. So like when we're colonizing, we're victors. And also, we don't forget that there are consequences to those colonies or to this immigration afterwards. And it's not just um, victory that we should like see it as of. Like We should also take the perspective of the people who were being colonized and how they suffered from it. So it's also important to acknowledge that. I like, I like that. Yeah, like, I mean, the red, it also symbolizes... Um... More, a lot of heritage, unity, it symbolizes wisdom. Like, there's so many significance to this flag. It was designed, uh, actually, this is the current flag because before in 1974, we had a different flag where it was blue, green, and yellow. And then you had on the center, it was a white circle with a nutmeg in it. So like the nutmeg has stayed in the flag, the yellow has stayed, and the green has stayed, but we've changed the 
the blue to the red. And I absolutely love both flags. The history of this island is just phenomenal. Christopher Columbus, he um, came to the island. Okay, let, let me be honest. I'm not a big fan of Christopher Columbus. He was a madman. He killed off a lot of the original inhabitants. So Grenada's first original inhabitants were the Carib and the Taino, which are native inhabitants to the Caribbean. Unfortunately, most of them were hunted to extinction and Part of them, instead of being captured, they, they chose the, they didn't want to be captured and sold into slavery. So they took their own life by jumping off a cliff on, I, I can't remember what it's called in Grenada, but there's a special cliff where they all just jumped because they didn't want to be taken by Christopher Columbus. So, um, intense. Do you also learn about the history of those people and their rituals and what death means to them? Because like for us, you know, like it's a scary thing. It's like punishment or it's something that's negative. But do you think based on their rituals or religion, uh, it could mean liberation or something? So unfortunately, we didn't grow up learning much about these type of peoples because there were not many left on the island. What ended up happening is Grenada is, I would say, 95% African origin. So you'll see some people that are of Asian origin, a lot of people that are like from India, for example. You will still see some people that carry features of Taino, Carib, but the majority of the people, they are of either African or mixed background. You also have a lot of French and English due to the history. Uh, Grenada actually used to be one of the islands that spoke uh, French Creole or French Patois, as we would call it. But unfortunately, after being sold to the English by the French, the, the English, they basically took over. They said, no, you're not going to be speaking French. That's our enemy's language. You're going to learn to speak English. And so we ended up losing it in the end. But it's funny you're talking about languages because we just like talked about all the different influences and all the different colonizers. And you're talking about Christopher Columbus, who came on the island in uh, 1498. And the thing is, he named it Conception. And then later on, it was changed to Granada. So how come if, oh, we're not going to be speaking French or Spanish, we still kept the Spanish name like Granada, named by the Spaniards? Actually, it uh, it came from the French, Grenade, because what had happened was, so, actually, no, sorry, it is from the Spanish. It's from this uh, city in Spain, Granada. But the French came over and they just decided to keep the name instead of Concepcion. I don't know why. I think it's a very interesting story. I would love to learn more about it. But unfortunately, here in Canada, the history books, they don't teach much about Caribbean islands. And so to look into it, even online, I've been looking for information to learn more about where I come from, where my culture is. But it's something that's very, very difficult to find online. Yeah. And I feel like if it's difficult, then the only sources you have is to actually go there and listen to the stories of uh, ancestors, a story that are told orally. So you're exactly. not just rely on books, you're relying on actual people and they may not be like, you know, having access to uh, internet to propagate or to educate other people about it. So unless we speak it out and unless we like honor it, like we're doing today, Like, it may go out of the window one day if people just don't care or don't have enough resources or, like, don't teach it in school. Exactly. Like, I would love to learn more about my island, where I come from. Even though I was born and raised in Canada, I still consider myself Grenadian because I grew up with the culture. I grew up with my mom, you know, speaking to me as if she had just come off the 
both. And it's funny because like now her accent is very much Canadianized until she gets mad. Then you hear the Caribbean come up. Um, but what does it sound like? So Grenada's accent is a little bit different than Trinidad. If I were to describe it very well, it would be a mix between, I would say, a Nigerian accent and a Haitian accent speaking English. Just combined as the two. It's a beautiful accent. It's different from Barbados. Like every island in the Caribbean, they have their own accent. A lot of people do not realize this. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, Jamaica and Trinidad aren't the only islands in the Caribbean. There's others as well. And all of them are independent nations. And most of them, they speak English or French or Spanish or even other languages in between. But in terms of accent, I grew up speaking like a very British type of English. Like I use British words, I use British spelling. And even though I was raised here in Canada, there's a lot of things that I grew up saying that um, because I was raised differently than my siblings, there's words that even today I will say and they don't understand. Or like there's just a miscommunication between the two. Mm, interesting. That is so cool. And I'm sure it's evolving like every other language, but like I'm excited to see how it's going to evolve. Oh, yes. Like I'm very excited to learn where the country is going where the, the language is going in Grenadian English for example we have a lot of French loan words that you don't use here in Canada even though we're a bilingual nation like a Canadian will say oh I'm going to go to the party whereas in Grenada we say oh I'm going to pass by the fit or for example we have certain words that uh, I guess they're more archaic now you don't hear them as much but when my grandmother was living on the island in her teenage years. You would hear it constantly. For example, if someone were to swear, here in Canada, we say, stop swearing, stop cussing. Over there, it's like, don't you be using mauvais langue with me. Like, don't make me ignorant. So it's very different. It's a different <laughs> way of speaking. It's a different way. But it's a beautiful way. I absolutely love it. And is that something that you'd like to use or... Um... It comes and goes, and part of it is because when I was a teenager, I went down, I visited family over there. I got to live, not as a tourist, but as, you know, my family was living down there for centuries. I went to see my great-grandmother's farm. I went to see um, a lot of the places where my grandfather grew up. I got to see the house where my mom was uh, born, which I think that was pretty cool as well. Um, most people don't even get to see their parents' place of birth. So I think that was just really, really cool to see. I got to see where my mom went to school as a kid. I got to see where my grandparents went to school as a kid. I think that's just something that's so uh, fascinating, so fundamental to see, because it really makes you think back, like, this is where my story begins. Like, when I touched down in Grenada and I got to see... Uh, Granans Beach. I got to see Bathway Beach. I got to see Grenville. I got to see St. Andrew's Secondary School and to see all these different places and to see all these different um, monuments. And I went just after Hurricane Emily. So Grenada actually used to be the second in the world for the most nutmeg produced worldwide, Indonesia being the first. And when you look at the size of Indonesia and then you look at the size of Grenada, 
for such a small island nation like Grenada to be producing, like be the second biggest producer in the world for nutmeg. I think that's just fantastic. Unfortunately, when Hurricane Ivan came, he wiped down so much of the land, so much of the vegetation. He took a lot of the buildings down. Like it was one of the worst hurricanes in Grenadian history. And Grenada is known as being under the hurricane belt. So Grenada does not get hurricanes often. However, when Grenada does get a hurricane, it is devastating. And then after Ivan, the next year, we had Hurricane Emily took what Ivan didn't take. So it really took a lot to build Grenada back up. They're still rebuilding. And I'm very proud. I'm very much uh, happy to see that they're still striving to push forward. But do you think that they've adapted? Do you feel like being so you know, defensive, like you have to be defensive, like you have to be like so almost like on your guards because this country is moved around a lot, not only by people, but also by nature. You know, you have like the colonizers, you have like so many different cultures that pass by, left their marks and like the hurricanes wipe it out, but also like other culture come and wipe it out too. So it's like a culture that's always in movement. And how far were you able to track your ancestors when you were when you said that? Uh, yeah, this is when my, where my story begins. But like, could you track it to Europe? Could you track it to the Caribs? How how do you feel about this mix? So unfortunately, with uh, most Caribbean people, we are not able to track a lot of our ancestry. And the reason why is because a lot of our ancestors were just numbers on a sheet of paper. They had no names. They had no recognition. I know my ancestors were treated like cattle. So it's really a sad thing because now I don't know, okay, where my great-great-great-grandfather came from or where my great-great-grandmother came from. I would have loved to know that. I know for a fact that uh, my grandmother has told me that her grandfather was from India, but we don't know where. We don't know uh, when he came to the island. We don't know what he was doing. My grandfather, he told me about uh, his grandfather being sold out of slavery, being the first free man in his family, which I think is powerful to know that, to think that, you know, I'm descended from slaves. I think that's powerful because it means that, you know, I have that hard work. I have the pride running through my veins. So in the 18th century, we counted about 12,000 enslaved Africans working in sugar mills. But then like the numbers came up to like 25,000 by like the 19th century. So it seems like they keep growing in numbers in slavery, but like the emancipation must have felt like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, it's liberating. But in, at the same time, it allowed for the economy to develop because of those slaves, like in cocoa and cotton and sugar, and like you were saying, nutmeg. So like there's this like bittersweet of yes you were saying that the nutmeg uh, plantation flourished but also came with like a lot of bloodshed like we're talking about because like 25,000 slaves that's not small it's uh it's pretty that's, sad yeah it's it's the size of a city to think about it like a small mm. city like it's crazy to think about the one thing that a lot of people don't realize too is that even though like Canada had slaves and Europe had slaves. Every country has had slaves. A lot of the African slaves, the majority of them were brought to work in the Caribbean and to work in like Latin America and South America and hotter countries. 
because in Africa, that's the, the temperature. And in Europe, you don't have that temperature. And so a lot of European people, European people said, well, no, I don't want to work there. I want to find someone to work for me, but I'm just going to, you know, have them work for free. And like they had to go through excruciating pains, excruciating punishments, being stripped of their culture, being stripped of their language. I was watching this documentary about uh, some Caribbean words and how they traced it back to African words of origin. I can't remember the documentary's name. But there's certain words that I use and it's like really cool to figure out that this is an African word or this is an African dish that we've made, but it's descended from our ancestors. For example, there's this thing called a jumbi. It's it's like a ghost, right? And it's actually from Ghana is where it comes from. Voodoo is something that is practiced on the island of Haiti. And a lot of uh, countries in the Caribbean call it obia. Obia is actually originating from Nigeria. Rice and peas, for example. Every Caribbean knows what rice and peas are. And we're not talking what they made in Ikea, which was little white rice and green peas. No, that's something separate. That is that is just not what our culture is about. Um, because our rice and peas, it's a little bit different. It's a shorter green rice. It's made with um, normally gungo peas or pigeon peas. And there's a lot of spices and coconut milk and scotch bonnet. And that actually also comes from Africa. I think it's very cool to see that uh, you can trace these things back. For another thing to roti. Roti is something I grew up with. It's like a flatbread. It comes from India on the island of Guinea. There was a lot. And Trinidad as well. And Guyana. Like lots of countries in the Caribbean. They had a lot of uh, East Indians. So that influences our food as well. And to be able to see that, to be able to trace it, I've been able to talk with friends from India and this is what I'm making for supper. They're like, you know how to make this? And I'm like, well, yes. How do you know about it? And then like we have this huge discussion and it's like, that's so cool. Like I would never have thought in a million years because growing up as a kid, it's like, well, this is my country's food. This is what I'm proud of, right? And then you realize, oh, but it's a fusion because it came from this country. It's just, it's really cool to see. For sure, for sure. And I actually read that for today because it's Granada, Independence Day. Like, you know, they have traditions. And I read that they have the cooking national dish that's called Oil Down. Yes, Oil <laughs> Down. Okay, so there are some rules to a good Oil Down, okay? For one, you have to have breadfruit. It is not an Oil Down if there is no breadfruit. What is breadfruit? So breadfruit actually comes from Malaysia. And it's kind of a cousin from jackfruit. It's about the size of a bowling ball normally from what I've seen here in Canada. They can get pretty big, but generally that's the size. You cannot eat it raw. You have to have it cooked. And when you roast it, it smells like baked bread. It's like a starch. You can use it as a flour. You can use it as um, a binder instead of eggs to bake. You can use it like potato. You can make a porridge out of it. You can boil it, fry it. You can make uh, breadfruit chips, which I've done, and I absolutely love breadfruit chips. There's, It's just such a versatile food. It's really, really cool. But back to our, our national dish of Aldon. You cannot call it Aldon if there is no dumpling, for sure. You have to have dumpling in your Aldon. You can make it with uh, fish, you can make it with uh, chicken. You can make it with pork. I make mine vegan because I really try and be as healthy as possible. There's 
curry, coconut milk, scotch bonnet, you have the calla leaves. That's another important ingredient. They are used from the dashing plant and they're kind of like kale, but they're a lot nicer tasty in my opinion, but they're very hard to find here in Canada. You have cassava, you have, there's just so much ingredients that go into it. It's insane to name them all. And for every household, there's at least five people that know how to make an oil down and do it their own way. So how I make my oil down is different from how my grandfather makes his. And how my grandfather makes his is different from how my grandmother makes hers. And each one is special in their own way. Yeah, so there's not like a set recipe. Like everybody can come up with their own version of it, which is great because then you can have your own variation. and adapted to your diet like you were saying like you're trying to be vegan and it's totally fine it's not like your grandfather's gonna be like no this is not a traditional oil down you're not like respecting the tradition you know it's it's pretty cool but also it seems like many people like cook the dish like outside and they use these giant pots on an open fire and they have to do this at the beach or at the park or like on open spaces so it makes it like convivial and so people can join in and stuff it's a great thing that you can share it outside but also like is it also an invitation for strangers to come over and to get to know people in your community so i've used it like this for sure when we had grenada day here in montreal i bought a big pot of oil dome this was uh just me and my friends right and i had this one family they looked and they're like you brought oil down and I'm like it's Grenada day of course I bring an oil down like this is Grenada day I'm not forgetting this not at all and I said you want some so I grabbed a paper plate and I started piling some food because like for me I love to share my food and they were just so in awe they never thought that they'd be able to have some on Grenada day here in Montreal now granted Grenada day in Montreal happens in August doesn't happen on the Independence Day here like when it's like minus seven degrees outside oh is that the reason why it's so that you'd be able to be outside and canada is just too cold in february that's why they moved it to august this is the funniest thing ever well we actually have a celebration because every caribbean island here in in canada especially in montreal i find they have their own day to celebrate and it's like as grenada we have two and it happens like normally a week after each other um, and they're run by two different communities here it's just a great way to see the communities coming together seeing them bond there's often live djs which is really nice because you get that, that really nice uh, caribbean music to fill the parks to fill the airs and to see people just uh, come in and be like hey what's this what's this uh, all about like uh, you'll see it often in Cote de Neige. that's uh, where one of the uh, festivals take place and then the other festival it takes place near Georges Vanier Lionel group area um oh yeah that's where i live yeah so uh, you'll be able to see it the next time i come by over i'll uh, i'll let you know and you can definitely join it in the party um <laughs> last time uh we celebrated was in 2019 before covid happened and we had a famous soca artist from grenada come up there and I was in the crowd. I was enjoying it. And of course, like me, when I go to these things, I dress like Grenadian flag, Grenadian rag, grenade, anything that I have that is representing 473, the island of 473, I'm going to be wearing it. So this guy, he's on the stage. He's, 
and uh, oh, I can't remember his name all of a sudden. I had his name and I can't remember it, but he's from Grenada and I'm dancing there just doing my own thing. He points to me and says, you, I want you up on the stage, pulls me on the stage. And at first I'm at shock. My friend's like, why are you just standing? Go, 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 go. Right. <laughs> and so like, we had such a blast. My other friend, she went to go make a phone call and she hears me on the mic and she's like, I know that voice. Right. She turns around and she's like, I can't take this boy anywhere. He always going to cause trouble. He's going to mash up the fet just so. I just laughed. It's something that, um, but it's a great celebration because we as Grenadian people, even the Caribbean, we know how to throw a party. We will party sun up till sundown till sun up till sundown. And that's something that I like, but we're also a very proud people. We are very welcome, very hospitable. The amount of times I've run into people and I'm wearing something that is from Grenada and they ask me, are you from Greens? Are you from Grenada? And I said, well, I'm part. And they, the amount of compliments I get out of my island, it makes me really, really proud to know that, you know, people are happy and they know what we're known for. And it makes me really proud to know that I'm from there. My my culture, my heritage is from there. Yeah, it's funny that you're mentioning this uh, patriotism because on Grenada Independence Day, like the whole island has like waving flags, people wearing outfits, and like you were saying, partying. But like when I think about the French independence, like July 14th, like they do have a parade. They do have fireworks. And they also have like airplanes, like, like flying smokes with like the colors of the flag. But the thing is, Nobody wears those colors. It's like considered lame to like, you know, it shows like you're touristy if you have uh, some blue and white and red. But like in the US, their like July 4th is huge. And it's funny how like people like show different level of patriotism, but maybe in different ways. Maybe it doesn't mean that they don't love their country, but they just like show it differently. Exactly. Like, I mean, for me, I'm also part Dutch and we have a festival called King's Day. And so on King's Day, everyone is in orange. Like there is not a single soul not wearing orange because that is the national color of the Netherlands. And I do have a orange sweater with the Netherlands on it that I wear like whenever I can on King's Day as well. Because like I said, I'm proud for both of my cultures. I'm very happy to be a Grenadian and I'm very happy to be part Dutch as well and to be able to speak dutch as well i think is just fantastic and to be able to cook grenadian food and like it's just really cool to see how different countries they change their ways to show patriotism i think it's really something that um each person too they have to discover for themselves because i find not everyone will do it the same way i know that most caribbean people that i've met they are very very proud of their island I have a friend from Haiti and the amount of Haitian stuff she has in her home, it is insane. I absolutely love it because it's like, well, I have almost the same amount. Like if you look on my couch right now, I've got a blanket of the flag of Grenada, which like every one of my friends, they're like, in case, you know, no one knows where you come from. I have a backpack. I have my hat. I have my face mask now that also Grenada on it because I'm very proud. And I want to show the world that, yeah, 
we're here. We're like, uh, we're everywhere. When I was in the Netherlands and I saw the Grenadian flag, it warmed my heart so much. That's not to say I'm not proud to be Canadian too. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, do you parade yourself at the airport with the Canadian flag and with the Canadian mask or Quebec flag? I don't know. So I don't show Canadian pride that much. And that's not to say I'm not proud to be Canadian. I'm very proud to be a Canadian. It's just, I don't know. It's a different type of pride. I never grew up, I guess, with the sense of like, you know, the red and white and feeling like, you know, like I love this country. And I think, you know, Canada is a beautiful country. The people are fantastic. However, I culturally, I've never felt it. I think that's the thing for me. I feel stronger ties culturally to other parts of me, but at the same time, politically and nationally, I am Canadian. When I was walking in the Netherlands, I remember this little boy and he was talking with his father and he says, Dad, one day I want us to go to Canada. I want to get rich so that we can go to Canada. And I just, I smiled and I said, well, I got to stop this boy here. I, so I said, hi. I just wanted to let you know that I'm visiting from Canada and I absolutely love your country. And he was just smiling. He had like this biggest smile. He's like, oh my gosh, I just met a superhero from Canada. Like for me, it's like, I'm just a regular, ordinary guy on the street, right? But to him, it was like, he just met his superhero because I'm from Canada. I thought it was just too adorable. And so like he started asking me questions like, what's the weather like? What are the animals like? And like, we had a good five minute conversation. I was shocked. Like this little kid of about probably six or seven years old knows so much about Canada. And like, you know, that's, that's his goal is to visit. So um, I thought, you know, I'm very happy too when I do see the Canadian flag, when I know that that's my home. That is so cool. And like you were saying, maybe we just have different perceptions based on our education. And a lot of it is influenced by, of course, our parents and how they perceive the culture, the food, the cuisine, but also like for people who don't have access to or like close exposure to outside cultures, they might have to rely on TV or the Internet or like social media. And sometimes it's not always accurate and sometimes it is. But like, this is the perception you have. It's the same with like French people. They think that Canada is the greatest like heavenly spot and you're free to do whatever you want and you're not as restrained job-wise. You have a lot of opportunities. And the thing is, it's hard on everyone to have their own reality because like, first of all, perception is reality. And then the reality that you might have could be disappointing when you come. And that happens to a lot of immigrants trying to search for a better life. But in fact, it's like mostly like an internal crisis that, oh, they're trying to escape something, maybe their family, maybe a past. And sometimes like a change of scenery can be your savior. But like deep inside the issue is like inside you, like are you you not feeling well in your skin that you have to escape something and maybe find a different culture as like an excuse to go out somewhere? Yeah, like I mean, for me, I because I went down to Grenada, And I got to visit and keep in contact with my cousins. And I still talk with them. And to be able to have that connection with them that my siblings, they don't have because they've never been. Like for me, it was an enriching experience, but also because I actually feel a lot more closer culturally to my cousins. And I think that's part of it. It was because I got to experience it with them. I got to experience, you know, 
going on a cookout by the river and cooking pots of whatever. Often it would be like a brown stew chicken or maybe it was oiled down or maybe it was uh, just lamb beef. That's something I really miss and I cannot have due to allergies. Was no, uh, me? Really? Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> for those of you that don't know what lambi is, um, it's like a giant sea snail. And um, it's funny because like when I was in France, people were like, oh, you should try escargot. And I'm like, no, thank you. But like lambi, it's different. It tastes like chicken. Um, as Are you weird serious? As it I felt like it was very close in texture to squid. Like I had tried it when I was in Guadeloupe visiting with my family. And people were like, oh, you should try this. Like this is like definitely like um, it's going to blow your mind and you should have it once at least. And there were many different recipes. Like you can have lambi steak or you can have it in a salad. The thing is, they like to keep the shell for decoration. And my mom just thought it was like super cute when you can like grow your plants in it and use it as a pot. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, we do keep a lot of the shells and sell them uh, as souvenirs for a lot of tourists because one of Grenada's main industries is tourism. But at the end of the day, like when you get into the food of the people, I think that's my favorite part is the food, the real true culture, because you can tell this was not a posh type of food. This is food that grew from the ground. So this is food that, you know, you can tell there was a lot of work and love to bring the dish there. For Christmas, for example, we have this thing called black cake. Every Caribbean, I believe, has their own version. What it is, it's like a fruit cake. Like it's kind of almost like an English pudding. It's a bunch of fruits that you can soak them up for a year uh, because I was in between houses this year. I only did mine from September up until December, but you soak the fruits in a bunch of rum. And then what I did was because I don't like it really chunky, I kind of not blended, but I chop it up really fine so that they're pieces instead of like big chunks. And then I soaked more alcohol into it. And then you make the cake batter and you put these fruits in it with the alcohol and then you bake it slowly for normally, I it takes about two hours to bake because it's on a low temperature. And then once you take it out of the oven, you start poking holes into it with a fork and you put more rum on it. Like there's a lot of rum that goes into this cake. Uh, <laughs> I used about two bottles of rum to make this. And I made a, a, a lot of cakes too, just to be clear. It's not just like one small cake. Like I made like baking pans full of this cake. But when I gave some to my friend from Jamaica and she tried it and I gave her a little bit of uh, another drink that we have in the Caribbean. She said, hold off on the drink. I'm about to get too drunk on this cake alone right here. Like she could literally taste it. But she says it was so good because you could taste the spices of like nutmeg, the cinnamon, the ginger, the allspice. There's a lot of uh, preparation that goes into it. Like she said that it kind of brought her back, like being back in Jamaica, which I think was really cool. Like when someone could get that for my food, and I've never been to Jamaica, but that's something that they could think of right away. I think that's a good sign. That's um, amazing. I feel like there's a business idea right here because bars are closed due to the pandemic. So, Andrew, if you want to get somebody drunk, you should sell that cake to Montreal. <laughs> They'll right? definitely buy it. You know what? I've been thinking about, you know, starting a small business on the side. 
I just I'm too busy with all I do. Like I'm just I I don't have the time. I would love to if uh, someone has a business idea and can reach out to me and be like, hey, I'm willing to help you out with this. Then for sure, by all means. But uh, there's no way I could do that alone. But it's especially going to work because, like you said, people are proud of their culture. It's not like other types of people who would be like, okay, now we just immigrated here. Let's blend in. Let's try to be white. Like you're actually like taking this proud and turning it into a business. It's not really taking time off because you're already doing it. Like by your investments in your blanket, in your clothing, like you live and you breathe it. It's the type of energy. It's that story that people are going to buy. It's not just the cake. It's like the story behind it, which you already incarnate. Yeah. Like, I mean, I remember when I was working for this one company and I came in that day with my Grenadian hat on and the one company I was working for, we were speaking Dutch. So my one coworker thought, oh, I was from the Netherlands. I spoke Dutch. That was that. When she saw that I was wearing my Grenadian hat, she's like, how do you know about my island? And I said, well, I'm half Grenadian. And so we developed such a bond because like, she's like, I've never met anyone in this company that's from Grenada, let alone, you know, someone that knows about the country. Right. And so for Christmas, I had made um, what we call Pancha Cream. It's something that's uh, definitely throughout Grenada, Trinidad and Barbados and Venezuela even makes this. Colombia and it's like a version of eggnog but with a lot of spice again um with Grenada we're known as the island of spice we have the nutmeg on our flag but our island is filled with spices and you can taste that in everything everything has a little bit of spice be it cinnamon nutmeg it could be cumin it could be turmeric it could be like you name it we have it on our island and we will put it and use it and going back to the punch of cream it's this like alcoholic eggnog is the best way to describe it or like caribbean version of baileys uh it's the one thing that i do not make vegan and if there was a vegan recipe for it i would definitely follow it but um it's something that's really good you have to try at least once uh it's very strong i actually for my recipe this year i got the most expensive bottle of uh rum that i can find but it's also because it's a high percentage because i wanted it to last a long time uh, and it comes from grenada it's called Quack's Court, and the percentage of alcohol is 69%. Uh, so it's quite high. But when you taste this and you drink this, it doesn't hit you right away. You just feel really like relaxed. It's a nice drink to have around Christmas time because it's like, uh, it's smooth, it's creamy, it's rich. It's got that little flavor of sweetness. It's got that little flavor of cinnamon. You've got that nutmeg in there. And then like all of a sudden the alcohol will hit you and you're like, okay, now I know what I'm drinking. I can't give this to any kids but it's really uh, something that anyone should try at least once in their life that's so cool and so what's the drink for granada independence day so we actually don't really have a drink for independence day what i would normally drink growing up on independence day would be mobby for sure or sorrel i don't mind as an adult now putting in like maybe a heineken uh, it's a very popular beer over there. We have our own national beer, which I can't find here in Canada. If anyone knows where Carib beer is sold here in Canada, please 
let me know because I'm dying to have some. I miss it so much. It's like a lager that uh, is brewed on the island. It's really smooth. It's really good. What's um, the name of it? It's called Carib. So is uh i think i've seen it in santa lucia yeah like it's uh it's quite popular throughout the caribbean it's almost like as popular as red stripe from jamaica the bottles are very well known they're like brown bottles with a yellow label and the word caribbean blue and it's just it's a great beer that's so cool <laughs> and then of so... course you also have rivers rum jack iron rum you have quacks court rum because i mean we're out we're very known for the rums over there as well. My gosh, Andrew, we should get sponsored because it's making me want to travel right now. Right? Oh, <laughs> what I would give to go to Grenada at this point, like the beaches, the types of beaches we have too, because we have this beach called uh, Grand Anne's where the sand is completely white. Like it's just white sand and it's just beautiful. But then you go to Bathway Beach, La Vera Beach, and these are like golden sand and it's just like it's a different uh, feel to be able to see turtles to see iguanas to see crabs walking it's just really nice to feel the warm ocean water that's another cool thing too that, because when you see the ocean water you think oh it's going to be cold when i went in it was super warm it was like lukewarm to like a little bit even warmer than that because of how hot the sun gets and you don't really feel the coolness at all until you step out and then it gets a little bit windy but i mean for the most part like it's just a really good feeling talking about the animals are there any endangered species due to uh, the agriculture or to the activity so there's no endangered spe species that i know of however there is something that we had to hunt off the island we used to have a terrible problem with brown snakes and they're very poisonous snakes but uh we brought in mongoose which kind of they produced really quickly and they hunt snakes and so that kind of got rid of the problem in fact i think guinea is the only caribbean island that is free of brown snakes if i'm not mistaken correct me if i'm wrong it's hard for me to give all the facts because i did not grow up there i've done some research but and that research, because it's from the internet, it could be misguided, it could be written by anyone. So the best thing I would have to say is if you're from there, you've grown up there, please correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, that I know of, we don't have any endangered species. We have monkeys on the island, which right, I right. Think... So like, are the mangoes immune to the venom of the brown snake? Yeah, it's very <laughs> weird. It's very weird. We should um, definitely study its immune system. That's great. Yeah. Like we have turtles. We have mongoose. We have monkeys. We have iguanas. There are certain types of bugs and frogs that I've seen there. Geckos. I love the little geckos that I saw. They're really cute. Do you say geckos or geckos? Geckos. But like, you know, they're like the little Geico commercial with the little lizard that talks. So like, Yeah, that's what I thought, I thought it was pronounced like that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's pronounced Gecko. Uh, what kind of domestic pets do you have? Is that common? So over there, it's not really common to have domestic pets. Most animals, they live outside. But you do see dogs, you do see cats. Um, I remember my auntie having a goat and a dog. And I remember my cousin having a cat. I remember another one of my cousins, they had fish, which I think that's pretty cool as well. <laughs> I was told never to go to this lady's house up the road 
because she had lots of snakes in her house. Those were her pets. I am terrified of snakes. When they told me that, I said, oh, trust me, you aren't going to catch me even 10 feet in that house. Um, <laughs> so I think it was really cool to see all these different animals, see the little bit of wildlife there is. There's not a lot of like big wildlife like here in Canada. Like you don't see lions. Like that's not common over there. You don't see it at all. There's not going to be any bears there. Most of the wildlife, they're like very, very small. The biggest thing I saw was a cow. And I mean, like cows, they're, they're, I don't know if you would call them domestic or what you would, like they're not really wild, but they're not really domestic. I, they're kind of in between. <laughs> a hybrid cow. <laughs> yeah, livestock. <laughs> So I was just wondering, because you did mention some bugs, but every time, every single time I went to the Caribbean, I was eaten alive by mosquitoes. And I have this like terrible allergic reaction to it. It's really, really annoying. But I was also wondering, is dengue pretty common in Grenada? And has the population grown to like, you know, be careful of mosquitoes, you know, having like mosquito nets and how are they surviving? malaria and stuff like this because every time i traveled um the locals said oh yeah no we don't get bitten or like maybe they just don't have the reaction like they it's usually tourists who complain about it so when i went down i had to get my shots for yellow fever and dengue however when i was living like uh, i went down there and i was living with family there was no mosquito nets. We had coils to keep bugs away at night, but we do that here in Canada. I never really was bitten by any bugs. I, I don't think once. When I say that uh, never, I mean like we, I would get up in the morning and see a centipede crawl into the kitchen, right? I would wake up and see a frog hop into the bathroom. Um, this was normal because this is what the island is. You've got nature anywhere. You can't escape it. But like, I never really had any problems with bugs. I never really saw mosquito nets being for sale. That's crazy because every time I went, I always have long sleeves and long pants and like closed shoes. And I always try to wear a hat. Like uh, there's a part that protects the neck. And people always feel like, oh, is it because you're scared of the sun? You don't want to tan? And I'm like, no, it's the bugs. It really is about the bugs every single time. It's not about the sun. But yeah, yeah. it's also useful that it protects the, against the UV and I don't have to wear so much sunscreen. But I definitely have a problem with bugs. Like for me, I had a lot of problems with bugs growing up. I still do. I can't stand bugs. But when I was there, I wasn't really affected by them. Like, except what for that one at night. It wasn't really what I ate. It, um, I think it was more just... The fact of me showering a lot of the sweat away, because we would bathe at least two to three times over there. You would do it in the morning, in the afternoon, and then you would go to, like, before you go to bed, you would bathe in the evening. And when I say bathe, like, some days it would be just a quick shower. Other days we'd go to the river and we'd really, like, use rocks to kind of, like, get the... um the blood flow running through and like you know scrubbing the skin and then washing ourselves off i remember doing this as a kid over there and i really miss it because being able to go to the river and just you know it's like a free swimming pool i think it was also part of what i ate because most bugs do not like uh curry smelling foods um, most bugs do not like lavender so i mean i had a lot of lavender lotion that i would wear most bugs do not like the smell of citrus 
And so for me, well, I would also bathe with um, uh, citrus fruits because my aunt, she told me that uh, it's something that a lot of people do. Like She had an orange tree in her backyard. And so once once a day, because her orange tree it was full of oranges, it was just like overflowing with oranges. So for me, once a day, I could go in, I could cut an orange and I can take and I bathe with it. Like I'm using it as a loofah. Um, <laughs> but it helps keep it's so bugs natural. away. I feel like you're a hippie. Oh, I swear that I'm a hippie at heart. I I mean, I love going to thrift shops. I love like being like as environmentally friendly as possible, as natural as possible. So it's funny because like even my friend, he's like, you know, you're just a modern day version of a hippie. Like you have a laptop, you have a cell phone, but deep down, you know, you're a hippie, right? So I just <laughs> like, yeah, I've kind of accepted it. You know, I can imagine you going to the river and washing yourself with like an orange and with a rock. But I mean, like we like we do use soap, of course. Like that's something that I mean, I should put out there. We do use soap. We do use toothpaste. Like it's just there's a lot of natural stuff that we'll use as well. So, for example, after using the orange, I would definitely use some of the body wash, right? Or after using the rock to kind of remove some of the dead skin because I found it be a lot easier than a rag or a washcloth i found that uh i was able to get smooth feet and i walked on my feet all the time when i was out there and it's my my grandma's like you're gonna get sick you're gonna get sick i'm like grandma the floor is hot i'm not getting sick the floor is not cold and my feet are sweating in sandals let me at least you know i'm i'm in the yard i'd rather be barefoot and i mean i've always grown up as a barefoot guy in the yard now it's like okay I need shoes. It's disgusting. But like as a kid, it's like, oh, I'm barefoot. I'm happy. So. <laughs> and you were talking about the orange. It's interesting because I make my own mosquito lotion and it's mostly organic apple cider vinegar because the acidity changes the pH of my skin. So they're not as attracted to it and it actually works. Like you put a bunch of apple cider vinegar on your skin. You mix it up with a little bit of essential oil of lavender or anything you like to not make this, this, this smell so strong because then you taste like a, a salad dressing. And then I like to put a little bit of like parsley and yeah, it's uh, it could also depend on your skin type. And I also heard that, you know, living up the hill in a windy area also deters the mosquitoes from coming because they, they don't like the wind. Yeah, like I mean, where my family lives, they're on a hill. So it kind of helped as well. Like growing up, like when I was visiting over there, I would just use a lot of the natural stuff that the island had because that's what my family was using. I never have ever worn sunscreen, which everyone's like, you're crazy. And I'm like, well, I just, I don't really need it. Like, I mean, I don't need it in the sense of like the UV rays were not as bad when I was a kid. Now I'm starting to wear it a little bit more because I'm noticing that they are bad. Like they are affecting a little bit more. And so I try to avoid getting burnt, even though like I am darker skinned, like we still burn. It just, it takes us a lot longer to burn, but it does still happen. I remember my mom, she ended up getting sunburned for the first time three years ago. And she's like, I can't believe this. This is must be what like your father feels like after every summer. And I'm like, I know, right? Uh, she's like, it's painful. And I'm like, yep. Like, I've never experienced that up until two years ago where I went to 
Curry Festa here in Montreal. I was with my friend from Jamaica and the reflection of the building, because we were like really close to the parade, but there was this glass building where the sun rays were reflecting directly on us. And like my friend, she's darker than me and she was fine, but she noticed that my face and my forehead especially had turned super red. She says that when she was in Jamaica, she got sunburned. And so she went uh, to seek help while she was at the hotel. She ended up running into a Rasta. And so the Rasta told her, well, use this mixture. And so my friend, she's like, okay, this is what you're going to need. You're going to need coconut oil. You're going to need aloe vera. You're going to mix it up with a little bit of lime, like lime juice. And she's like, use it. And trust me, it's going to not sting. You're not going to peel. So I took her word for it. I went to the store. I got some fresh aloe vera. I had coconut uh, oil at home. And I got some lime. And I just blended it to make a paste. I put it on my forehead. I put it all over where I saw like red skin. And the next day, I it was a beautiful tan. No peel whatsoever. It was not painful, nothing tight. It was perfect. That's crazy because I've always told to not put oil. Like it actually cooks your skin. I mean, if you don't go outside, it's fine. I guess it has this healing effect when you just stay inside. But like I used to, I, I use um, olive oil as a makeup removal. But I would never put olive oil on my face in the morning because then you go outside, it cooks you. It does. And that's the thing. So she said, do this at night when you're going to bed. Mm -hmm. That's something I should mention. It wasn't something that you would put on when you're going to the house and to use like sunscreen. No, this is an afterburn remedy. So this is something that she told me. And you would put this on overnight, let it heal um, because the aloe vera and the lime, they're kind of disinfecting and they're cooling. And the same with the coconut oil. The coconut oil is rich in vitamin D, vitamin A. I can't remember exactly which one, but they're really healthy. All of them are very skin healthy. So when you put it and then you go to sleep, you wake up, you wash your face off, and like you'll notice there's a little bit of a difference. That's nice. Well, it's going to help a lot of listeners to know this if they go on vacation where it's hot. But if anything, you can wear a hat, you can wear sunscreen. That's yeah. the best advice anyways to not get Like hurt. a best advice is to prevent. Prevention is the best advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> like there's remedies for after, but if you can prevent it, then I mean it saves you in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for the tips and tricks. And Andrew, do you have a last piece of advice for listeners? Don't be afraid to explore what you've got in your own backyard. I mean, even though we've been talking about Grenada and how wonderful it is, like Canada, it's uh, definitely on my bucket list this year to travel through. So for those of you that are listening, like, don't be afraid to explore Canada as well, because there's a lot of th- uh, great things this country has to offer. Yeah, that's great. And it's also good to get out of your comfort zone. If Like, it's funny how Grenada for you is your comfort zone, although it's like you have to take the place for it. But like Canada, you've lived here your whole life and <laughs> yeah, I've yet to be explored. My friend laughs when I get excited because like I've been in Montreal for most of my time here in Quebec. And 
when I went to Laval for the first time, I was super excited that he's like, it's just Laval. Um, or like, I'm excited because I'm like, oh, I want to go to uh, Three Rivers, Trois Rivières. And he's like, you know, it's just a small town, right? I'm like, yeah, but it's new. It's something that I've never experienced before. So like for me, I want to see more of Canada. I definitely want to visit Atlantic. I want to see Vancouver as well in the Pacific. I want to be able to explore Nunavik up in the north of Quebec, Nunavut up in the north of Canada. We'll see how things go. But I think that's something that I think all Canadians can benefit from is experiencing more of what's in their backyard. Yeah, for sure. For sure. There's always going to uh, to find solutions. You don't have to take an airplane. You don't have to spend a lot of money to discover something new. Like you're saying, you can just like drive somewhere, be chill. And like, there's always something that you don't know. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you talking about Granada Independence Day. It was a really cool episode. I'm looking forward to see you again. Well, thank you very much. I love that you have me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, see you soon. Bye. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Education Monsters. I hope you liked it. If you'd like to take a French lesson with me, don't hesitate to go on the Education Monsters website to book a class. I'll be super happy to get to know you and we can practice languages together. Don't forget to subscribe to the website and you'll get a notification when a new blog article comes out. Last but not least, please, please, please consider making a donation to my Patreon account. This education project means so much to me and I'll greatly appreciate it if I can have your support. Thanks again and I'll see you for the next episode on Thursday.